Neurodiverse Noise would like to issue a disclaimer. This episode features content about ABA therapy and centers conversations around ABA. Additionally, Max is not a professional and does not have a certification. We are just two people having a conversation over on this podcast. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode and let's get into it. Hello and welcome to Neurodiverse Noise. I'm here today with Max. Would you like to say hello? Hello. Tell us about yourself, your name, pronouns, maybe start us off with a fun fact. I'm Max. I use they, them, and he, him pronouns interchangeably. And I am in college to learn about education and behavioralism. That is really interesting. Um, I'm also currently in college. My major is liberal arts. What is your neurodivergence? ADHD, autism, probably some more in there that we haven't figured out. It's quite interesting in there. <laughs> yeah, neurodivergent people have the the most dissectable brains slash positive. <laughs> um, do you have any personal experiences with ABA? I do actually. Um, I went through ABA quite a lot when I was a kid, and I'm actually going through ABA right now as an adult as well. But the ABA that I went through as a kid is very, very different from the ABA that I'm going through now as an adult, mostly in terms of the informed consent. So tell me about that. How is it different than the ABA you experienced like as a child? Well, when I was a child, they didn't actually consult me on what I wanted changed in terms of my behavior. And a lot of it was focused on let's make Max appear more neurotypical. So a lot of it was focused on let's stop the stimming kind of things, or let's make Max make eye contact, or all sorts of things that would make me appear more neurotypical and less focused on functioning better. Whereas the ABA that I'm going through now, I am fully in control. And I have counter control, which is you actually have control over the service provider, as well as the service provider having control over you, because any service provider providing any form of behavioralism does have a measure of control over you. So yeah, I am. Um, I actually am consenting to the services that I'm receiving. I'm in control of what we're focusing on, and it's very, very different. That's really interesting. I have never, well, not never, but I've rarely heard of ABA specifically being like about informed consent and being catered to the person that is receiving ABA. So that's really interesting to me. Do you want to, do you have anything else to say? Yeah, about that? yeah. It's, um, it's kind of a controversy because a lot of ABA is focused on challenging behaviors. And that's the one thing I don't agree with in my schooling is because challenging behaviors can define as anything that can cause harm to the individual, anything that can cause harm to the others. Um, oh gosh, can I remember them all? Anything that can cause harm to social relations or anything that interferes with learning. And the one that I have big problems with is anything that interferes with social relations because pretty much any behavior can fall under that if you interpret it properly. And a lot of the times the parents are the ones who are giving consent when it's a child receiving these services. And the parent, they don't know what's going on and they just want their kid 
to be able to have a good life. And the service providers are like, yes, yes, the services I provide are going to give your child a good life. Yeah, I when you said that the qualifications were anything that can inhibit social relations or like harm them, that felt really weird to me. I've heard that about ABA before, but like literally anything, any view, any behavior can like prevent social interactions or social healthy social relationships with like different people. Like it really depends on the person you are relating to. And I feel like that just like breeds masking right there is like something that's like, oh, be what people want you to be. That just breeds someone who like heavily masks. So I definitely agree that like that part is very yeah, problematic. Yeah like... yeah, like in my textbook, we literally talk about how to make a kid make eye contact when autistic people have been screaming from the rooftops, please stop making us do that. I really struggle with eye contact, like specifically, because I was never taught how to do it. I never personally went through ABA. I was just kind of like socially, I socially adapted to quote unquote make eye contact, but all I do is I stare into your eyes, but I don't mean to do that. So I really struggle with, um, with like that aspect of eye contact yeah. where I don't know how to do it. I just stare at you. <laughs> yes. And, um, I look at eyebrows, actually, but something interesting I just learned is that when they talk about eye contact, they're not actually talking about just look at your eyes. They're talking about this thing called visually referencing, which is where when they when they say make eye contact, they're actually meaning look at this person's face and read their facial expressions. Which is also very hard for autistic people. So I understand why a lot of autistic people have trouble with that specifically. I didn't know that that yeah, even like, was what eye not... contact was. <laughs> Yeah, me neither. And what is it like learning those things as a neurodivergent individual, like, in school for these things? Um, it's definitely interesting. Sometimes, honestly, it can be a bit triggering, like, when I have to make plans for how I would approach a challenging behavior that I don't personally view as a challenging behavior. But I have to do it or I won't pass the course. And knowing that when I go to my practicum, I am going to have to put these um, practices into place. But actually, my more recent course has been teaching me some strategies that I can use instead of ABA that I really think I'm going to be relying on more often called co-regulation. And it really relies on polyvagal theory, which is a theory that a lot of the challenging behaviors we see aren't actually intentional. They're more of a stress response. That's really interesting. I feel like my struggle with ABA traditionally is like a lot of the behaviors that are seen as like challenging. I think I mentioned this partially when you were describing like what ABA targets, but a lot of the things that people quote unquote go into treatment for, like go into ABA for, like are behaviors that aren't inherently harmful at all. Like they're like stimming, they're eye contact, they're things that like aren't bad. And I think I really struggle with seeing why anyone would want yeah to i get what you're saying yeah like the thing is why should we have to change to fit into a neurotypical society instead of neurotypical society just being more accepting of us and like for me personally i can see aba in certain circumstances like self-injurious behavior or if maybe you've got a child who runs away 
that's that's dangerous like actual dangerous behavior that is causing physical harm to the individual or others or has the potential to cause physical harm like that that needs to be treated but other behaviors those don't need to be treated i also i feel like i and healthy disagreement is always invited on this podcast i feel like i disagree with the sentiment that like even injurious or harmful behaviors need to be treated i think the root of those behaviors need to needs to be treated but not the behaviors themselves so yeah, like, like what i mean is like the root cause yeah, yeah okay it's like behavior is communication and when Definitely. a person is engaging in self-injurious behaviors they are engaging in them for a reason and by treating them what i mean is giving them teaching them a new behavior that fulfills that need that does not cause harm if that makes sense it makes it definitely makes sense i think it was just like misinterpreting what you were saying there and as an individual who has struggled yeah, with self-injurious yeah, behavior yeah. i'm it's sorry like, i wasn't clear there no but, you're yeah. okay you're definitely okay it's definitely yes, and even if it you... is, in my opinion it is completely unethical to ever do an aba practice where you are not also teaching a new behavior to fulfill the behavior that you are getting rid of i definitely agree with that i hear a lot of aba practice like traditionally is just saying basically like, no, don't do that. And then moving on instead of saying like, no, don't do that, do this. And then like teaching them how to do the new this, the new coping technique, the new behavior. Yeah, because um, behavior is, behavior is communication. Everything we do is for a reason and it fulfills a need. And if that behavior is causing physical harm or has the potential to cause physical harm, then like it's, dangerous but that doesn't mean it isn't fulfilling a need and that's the important part i think that aba practitioners need to understand is that it is still fulfilling a need on the topic of alternatives to aba or like how aba can change what treatments do you feel are suitable for neurodivergent people seeking treatment for their own behaviors like if i were to go into treatment today what do you think could help me I guess not me personally, but like the theoretical me. <laughs> that's that's tricky. Um, I guess one thing is um, find someone who can co-regulate with you. This one, it helps more if you start when they're a child. From what I've read so far, but essentially when you're working with the person, you want to make sure that Essentially, it focuses on you want to create positive experiences where you're not putting demands on the person. And this is more for teaching new skills. Which is, I think a lot of the problem is that people turn to ABA to teach new skills. When um, there are so many other new methods that can be used to teach new skills. But anyways, co-regulation. You want to start by creating a role for you and a role for for the other person where the, both people are competent, they can do that role, the roles are authentic, the roles have a purpose and they're contingent on each other. The roles are dependent on each other. And by doing that, you allow the person to learn a new skill in a safe environment without putting stress on them. And as you go on, you can transfer more and more responsibility to the other person as they develop that skill. And it's a great alternative to ABA for teaching new skills. 
just um as a disclaimer i am just a college student i am not qualified to provide any of this advice this is just opinions yeah like we're just having conversations yeah, right now yeah. i'm not going to I just, just in as ethical i do have to put that in there yeah i'll definitely put that in the description as well yeah awesome thank you anyways as someone who is neurodivergent and is taking classes or has taken classes to treat neurodivergentness in quotes what do you think isn't widely known about being neurodivergent in the circles of education? I think one big misconception is that neurodivergent is a neurodivergence is quote unquote a bigger problem in children than adults. If that makes sense. Like they a lot of our materials seem to focus on children and we have questions like why are sensory processing problems bigger in children than adults and the answer is always well oh adults can cope with it better but i think what they're missing is that maybe we have developed coping skills but that doesn't mean the problem has changed and it doesn't mean we're not still facing problems and i think that a lot of the education is still missing that i think a lot of communities that circle center around neurodivergentness they are missing that as well as education because i've witnessed a lot of people and myself included like when getting diagnosed with autism as an adult you're still given the questions that are aimed towards five-year-olds and it's like i'm not an autis autistic five-year-old i'm an autistic adult who has had a lifetime of experience being autistic and coping with my autistic traits so it's like yes exactly and yeah exactly because yes they just they seem to completely skim over the fact that you don't just grow out of it an autistic child becomes an autistic teen becomes an autistic adult why in your opinion do so many people seek to like quote unquote treat neurodivergentness instead of treating what affects the neurodivergent person themselves like i think it i think it really just folds into society doesn't like things that are different and there isn't a lot of understanding there hasn't been a lot of research like they know that yes autistic people stim but there hasn't been a lot of research into the benefits of stimming that i've seen and you know like society just wants in from what i've seen it's a neurotypical society and you see this with other forms of disability too where the main population the dominant population is out there and they don't want to change because change is scary no human likes to change i think and i just i think that's a very good point to make that like society doesn't want to change it's also very weird to hear that because as an autistic person i don't like change but it's so easy for me to see how change could happen in a benefiting way so it's like if i can see this why can't the neurotypical population see this why can't like society as a whole see the changes that need to be made to accommodate those that need these changes but i guess that's just like my moral compass kind of taking over and saying like this, these are the little things that I could handle to help others. But I guess not everyone thinks that way. <laughs> yeah, and it, 
yeah yeah that makes sense because yeah and then there's also just the fact that they just they don't like different and different is scary and we are different and that scares them and when people think of disability it scares them they either want to see the super inspiring disability stories that you see or they want to see the like they only want to see the extremes you know they only yeah. want to see either ends of the spectrum and they don't really see a lot in the middle I see that a lot as someone who struggles with like chronic pain and like potentially chronic illness because like I will I will see people saying oh this is disability accommodating but all it will have is like a really steep wheelchair ramp and it'll be like they accommodate one type of disability barely and then they That's consider the themselves accommodating. Or when, um, or when I'm out with my mobility aids and their doorways or their um whatchamacallit or like the aisles of a store are so tiny or the buttons to open the doors don't work. Yeah, that's always really frustrating when, like, mm -hmm. things claim to be accommodating, but then they're not, but they do this one little thing, and it's like, oh, yeah, that that's enough. And it's like, that doesn't accommodate for, or like, like... Or, like, you've got my college right now. They're, I'm in a massive fight with them trying to get accommodations. Meanwhile, they're putting up all these posters and sending out all these equity diversity surveys about how, oh, we're such a good college. We do all these things to accommodate people were so equitable or whatever meanwhile i'm fighting to get the most basic accommodations if you could say one thing to those listening whether that be a neurodivergent person listening to the podcast or a neurotypical person wishing to be educated what would you say on the topic of the new aba practices like what do you want people to know I would definitely say make sure you have informed consent and by that I mean know exactly what behavior you're trying to change, exactly how you're going to change it, why they're doing what they're doing, any potential risks, and know for yourself what your boundaries are in treatment. Are you okay with them? you know, using negative reinforcement where they take away things to make you more happy. Are you okay with positive reinforcement? Are you okay with reward charts? Know yourself before you go into the treatment and make sure you know exactly what you're going to be doing. I don't really have any other questions for today. Do you have anything else you wanted to touch on? Um, not that I can think of, no. Okay, if you're all right with it, we can wrap up now. Yeah, sounds good. Alrighty. Well, it was a pleasure having you on the podcast. I really enjoyed the conversations we had today. Yeah, definitely. It was, it was really nice. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Have a great day, night, afternoon, and I will see you in the next one.